The Consolation of Philosophy by Boethius, Book 2, Part 1, translated by H. R. James. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Book 2, Part 1. Thereafter, for a while, she remained silent, and when she had restored my flagging attention by a moderate pause in her discourse, she thus began, If I have thoroughly ascertained the character and causes of thy sickness, thou art pining with regretful longing for thy former fortune. It is the change, as thou deemest, of this fortune that hath so wrought upon thy mind. Well do I understand that sirens' manifold wiles, the fatal charm of the friendship she pretends for her victims, so long as she is scheming to entrap them, how she unexpectedly abandons them and leaves them overwhelmed with insupportable grief. Bethink thee of her nature, character, and deserts, and thou wilt soon acknowledge that in her thou hast neither possessed nor hast thou lost aught of any worth. Methinks I need not spend much pains in bringing this to thy mind, since, even when she was still with thee, even while she was caressing thee, thou needest to assail her in manly terms, to rebuke her with maxims drawn from holy treasure-house. But all sudden changes of circumstances bring inevitably a certain commotion of spirit, Thus it hath come to pass that thou also for a while hast been parted from thy mind's tranquillity. But it is time for thee to take and drain a draught, soft and pleasant to the taste, which, as it penetrates within, may prepare the way for stronger potions. Wherefore I call to my aid the sweet persuasiveness of rhetoric, who then only walketh in the right way when she forsakes not my instructions, and music my handmaid, I bid to join with her singing, now in lighter, now in graver strain. What is it then, poor mortal, that hath cast thee into lamentation and mourning, some strange, unwanted sight, methinks, have thine eyes seen? Thou deemest fortune to have changed towards thee, thou mistakest. Such ever were her ways, ever such her nature. Rather in her very mutability hath she preserved towards thee her true constancy. Such was she when she loaded thee with caresses, when she deluded thee with the allurements of false happiness. Thou hast found out how changeful is the face of the blind goddess. She who still veils herself from others hath fully discovered to thee her whole character. If thou likest her, take her as she is, and do not complain. If thou abhorrest her perfidy, turn from her in disdain, renounce her, for baneful are her delusions. The very thing which is now the cause of thy grief ought to have brought thee tranquillity. Thou hast been forsaken by one of whom no one can be sure that she will not forsake him. Or dost thou indeed set value on a happiness that is certain to depart? Again I ask, is fortune's presence dear to thee, if she cannot be trusted to stay, and though she will bring sorrow when she is gone? Why, if she cannot be kept at pleasure, 
and if her flight overwhelms with calamity, what is this fleeting visitant but a token of coming trouble? Truly, it is not enough to look only at what lies before the eyes. Wisdom gauges the issues of things, and this same mutability with its two aspects makes the threats of fortune void of terror, and her caresses little to be desired. Finally, thou oughtest to bear with whatever takes place within the boundaries of fortune demands, when thou hast placed thy head beneath her yoke. But if thou wishest to impose a law of staying and departing on her whom thou hast of thine own accord chosen for thy mistress, art thou not acting wrongfully? Art thou not embittering by impatience a lot which thou canst not alter? Didst thou commit thy sails to the winds? Thou wouldst voyage not whither thy intention was to go, but whither the winds drave thee. Didst thou entrust thy seed to the fields? Thou wouldst set off the fruitful years against the barren. Thou hast resigned thyself to the sway of fortune. Thou must submit to thy mistress's caprices. What? Art thou verily striving to stay the swing of the revolving wheel? O oh, stupidest of mortals, if it takes to standing still, it ceases to be the wheel of fortune. Song 1. Fortune's Malice Mad fortune sweeps along in wanton pride, uncertain as, as Euripus's surging tide, now tramples mighty kings beneath her feet, now sets the conquered in the victor's seat. She heedeth not the wail of hapless woe, but mocks the griefs that from her mischief flow. Such is her sport, so proveth she her power. And great the marvel, when in one brief hour she shows her darling lifted high in bliss, then headlong plunged in misery's abyss. End of Book One, Section One, Song One